bless you. Amen. It's good to be here this morning. How many would say a good amen today? I thoroughly enjoyed this worship time this morning. What sweet presence of the Lord. We feel in this place today and uh, appreciate our worship team taking us into the presence of the Lord. Um, I, I am so glad to be back. In fact, this is the second time that I've been to the church. Uh, the first time was before Pastor C.J. He was on the deacon board then. And uh, when the church was officially set in order uh, and uh, set up as their own sovereign body, that was a great day. And uh, I'm just glad to be back and just worship with you. And uh, I've talked to CJ ever now and then and just the great things that God's doing at this church. I tell you what, it's reason to say, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you. And let me just say this. Thank you for a faithful pastor and his family, and I know I appreciate you mentioning them in prayer. Uh, I know how it is. I mean, I was a full-time pastor for 26 years, and uh, and uh, you need the prayers and support of the people that you're working with, and I know they love you, and I guarantee you they've got a pastor's heart. They're thinking about you this morning. Now, they're supposed to be on vacation, but I know uh, they've got you on their heart uh, this morning, so uh, that's the way it is. You know, being a pastor uh, is... Uh, is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and being a part of a church fellowship, uh, it's it's a great thing that God has put in place to be a part of a fellowship, and uh, thank the Lord for all the good things. I know you're going out to your new property. That's exciting. That's good, and uh, we thank the Lord for what you're uh, doing here today. Uh, I have, uh, as uh, Ken said, pastored in Fayetteville for the previous 15 years. It was uh, uh, in 2000 we came, and then the Lord began to change the direction of our ministry, and it was a year ago last Sunday, that was our last Sunday there uh, at First Assembly, and it's been uh, a quite a ride. <laughs> uh, the Lord has uh, opened up a lot of doors, and we're seeing a lot of good things happen uh, in some of the services that we've been able to conduct. Uh, uh, the Lord has just been doing great things. Uh, we've been in revivals, uh, uh, weekend services, and the Lord is opening up doors for missions opportunities also for us, and we're so thrilled about that too. And uh, next year, uh, we're scheduled to go to the Gambia, West Africa, to be one of some of our Arkansas missionaries, Scott and Lavana Enos, and uh, they are beginning a new Bible school, new church there, and we're going to be doing some teaching uh, there for a couple of weeks, and I am so excited about what God has got in store. Uh, you know, I wasn't always a Christian, neither were you. Every one of us have a story of how we got to where we're at right now. So let me uh, just take just a couple of minutes to tell you what happened in my life. I was not raised in church. I was what you would call a good old uh, Arkansas heathen. Uh, we went to church probably, you know, like Easter and Christmas, and that was about it, uh, if, through family connections. And, you know, when I was pastor and I had a guy that told me, he said, uh, Pastor said, I'm not ever coming back to your church again. And he, I said, why? I said, well, the, every time I come, the only songs you sing are Silent Night and He Arose. So, but, well, might try sometime besides just Christmas and Easter, and it, you might hear something different. <laughs> But that's kind of what my life was. But one time, the Mansfield, Arkansas is where I'm from. It's a little town south of Fort Smith, about 30 miles south of Fort Smith. And uh, when I left there, the population was 969. I think they are uh, burgeoning up around uh, 1,050 right now. So uh, they have really had a boom over the last uh, 25 years. Uh, but the Assembly of God Church in that town decided that they wanted to start a bus ministry. And so they bought an old, you know, like they do, the old wore-out school bus. And they, went, they got some really, they must have got it on sale somewhere, but it was the ugliest green color you've ever seen in your life. But it did stand out. And they came and knocked on our door in that town and said, would you like to ride to church to Sunday school? And my parents let us go. And that was one of my first exposures to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, I loved going to that church. The people there were, well, it was a small church, a uh, small town. Uh, but they opened uh, their arms to us. And uh, the Sunday school teacher, she always brought uh, something to eat. And that was always, you know, an enticement to go. And uh, uh, But I, I, how many of you, well, I don't know, some of you here probably won't remember this this reference that I'm going to use here, but I'm going to anyway, and we can explain it to you later. But um, they used to have, well, they used to sing all these little songs. They had something called a booster band in that church. 
And they'd have in between Sunday school and church, they would come up and sing little songs. Well, in the Sunday school classes, they would sing too. They'd sing songs like Peter, James, and John in a sailboat. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Some of you have been around for a while, old as I am. You remember those songs. And they would let kids every now and then pick a song. Well, 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 Jimmy, what do you want to sing? I want to sing Peter, James, and John. So, all right, we'll stand up and sing it. And they'd stand up and sing it right there in the Sunday school hour. And then, Susie, what do you want to sing? I want to sing Zacchaeus. So they'd sing Zacchaeus was a wee little man. One time they asked, made the mistake of asking me, Brother Ken. Uh, well, Tim, what do you want to sing? You got a song? I said, yeah, I got one. I stood up and I began to sing. Where, oh, where are you tonight? Why did you leave me here all alone? I searched the world over, thought I found true love. You met another. And Well, I'm not going to finish that. If you go back and uh, watch uh, YouTube Hee Haw, you'll know what I'm talking about. They never asked me if, if I had a song after that. I don't know. <laughs> what happened with that? But my goodness, and but the Lord saved us. And uh, at uh, 14 years old, 16 years old, uh, uh, 14, actually 15, was filled with the baptism and the Holy Spirit. At 16, uh, just received the call to preach, and, uh, and I haven't regretted one step of the way. It's been it's been the greatest, greatest thrill to be able to be a part of God's church. I know there's some people out there that have you know negative things to say about the church, but I can tell you I've been around uh, the better part of my life, and, and I can say I love God's church. I love God's people. The Lord's blessed us like a lot of you probably been on missions trips. I've been to India, been to Guatemala, been to a couple, a few other different places around the world, and there's just a kinship and a fellowship. When you step off a plane, I did in India, spent two weeks over there, the brethren, that it was like we knew each other uh, for a long, long time. Why is that? We didn't know each other, but we knew the same Lord and Savior, and that brings a kinship and a relationship. Friends, can I tell you, we live in a, uh, now I'm, 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 that's, my, that's my just visiting time. Now don't count that against my preaching time, Amen. I appreciate your pastors so much and their enthusiasm and their vision, and we're praying for them, praying that God would just bless them and help them today. We are living in a time like we have never seen before, obviously, but there's a lot of things on the political landscape. There's a lot of things in the spiritual landscape. There's a lot of things in our world uh, that cause us sometimes to scratch our head and wonder what's going to happen next. There is an expectancy that's in the air, and I want to address that today from the Word of God about... Where I believe that we're at today, and I believe what in what God wants to do in our life this morning. Amen. Acts chapter number one, verse number nine. Acts chapter number one, verse number nine. While you're turning there, Brother Ken, what time do we do we end this service again? Well, no, you what what do you normally do? About 10, 15. Oh, we've got plenty of time. You know, the thing about preaching is, is I found out that if, you know, I can preach a long time, but if you get done before I do, it doesn't work out so good. I like to try to get done at the same time. Amen. In other words, uh, if you turn the gas off, I don't want to keep cooking. Uh, We want to get done at the same time. Acts chapter 1, verse number 9 this morning. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse number 9 through 11. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld He was taken up. That's talking about Jesus being ascended. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing up into heaven? Listen to this phrase right here. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go up into heaven. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? This same Jesus that you see ascending is going to come back again. I want to speak this morning on that subject, on that topic. This same Jesus that went away is coming again. Are you ready? I'm ready. Father, I thank you today for the awesome power of your word and the power of the gospel. I pray that you would, Lord, let the anointing, the enablement of the Holy Spirit, just open up our heart, our spirit, our mind to your word of the word today. And Lord, I pray that you would move upon us, Lord, in, uh, in a fresh and a new way. Awaken us to the times that we live. And Lord, let our priorities reflect those times. And I pray today that you bless New Song Church, that you bless every person here. God, in your word today, we look for direction and we believe you for the answer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Uh, I, I believe, friend, that you see a lot of people today uh, that are prepping for something. In fact, if you ever watch reality TV, they've got shows on everything that you can imagine. But the, the word prepper 15 years ago really didn't mean anything. But when you say the word prepper today, that talks about people who are preparing for an apocalypse, people who are, uh, 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 who are preparing for an economic downturn. And so they have hollowed out the sides of mountains. They've got little stashes of food. And, and in fact, uh, uh, they, they've got cans of beanie weenies and everything else you can imagine. Uh, probably some of them have those left over from Y2K. I don't know. <laughs> but you have all this preparation that's going on for things that are happening in this temp temporary world. But I believe the most important thing that we can prepare for today is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible tells us explicitly without any question, without any wavering, that this same Jesus who left is coming back again. Oh, I'm so thankful today, friend, uh, that that helps me keep my compass on due north. Amen, on the, on the right direction when I remember that. I believe that whenever you look around today, it's obvious to see that there is something happening in our world, whether it be in the Middle East or whether it be right here in America. In Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 11, it says this with regard to the last days. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live, how? Soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Why? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The year was 1996. The day was June the 2nd, and at 3.30 p.m., Captain Scott O'Grady was flying in a, on a mission over the country of Bosnia. There was war. There was conflict. Bill Clinton was president, and there was... a uh, uh, conflict they were trying to, 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 to mediate and America was involved. Well, what happened to Captain O'Grady that day was something that made Time Magazine back during that time. Let me tell you that story because that was quite some time ago. He's flying over Bosnia and all of a sudden a surface-to-air missile hits his airplane. It shears one of his wings off. He grabs the ejection uh, stick or whatever they call it and has to eject out of that airplane. And all of his training now comes into play and into process. Uh, while he's doing that, he's making sure he has uh, his proper, his little backpack that has all of his survival gear that's in there. Uh, he knows that it's very important that he has the radio most of all. He's got some water. He's got some camouflage netting, the story tells us. He's got some flares. Uh, even a little medical kit is inside of this. And so uh, when he gets onto the ground after parachuting out, he makes himself a little shelter, tries to hide it with the camo uh, netting that's around it. And so the first thing that he does is he takes his emergency radio out and sends out a signal so that GPS, which was pretty new to us back in that day, they could locate and pinpoint his exact location. And so he contacts the GPS, gives them the coordinates of his location, and then he begins to call, seeking for an answer, seeking for help. He gives the mayday or whatever the code was. There's no answer. He gets on the radio, no answer. What he doesn't know is that they know what's happened back in Washington, D.C. in the Pentagon. Of the powers that be, what he doesn't know is that they are soon going to have the forces of the United States Army coming to rescue him. Over $6 billion in machinery, $6 billion worth of machinery and weapons are going to be put into play to get him out of enemy territory and take him to a place of safety. And so Captain O'Grady, in the meantime, for six days, he's scrambling. He's trying to live off the land. All of his training's coming into play, and he's trying to survive. He's evading the Bosnians that are there looking for him also, and he's hoping and believing for a deliverance. Friend, can I tell you, his eyes were on the skies. He's looking for the same kind of deliverance that I'm talking about this morning, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a reason why we live for God, because the stark reality is there's only two classes of people in the world, those that are saved and those that are lost. Those that are saved, the Bible said, will live in eternity in heaven with him. Thank God for his grace. You can have that. And those that are not saved are going to be in an eternity in hell apart from God. But the Bible tells us that one of the great things that he's promised us is that he is going to come for us. And so I'm here to tell you this morning, friend, this same Jesus that went away is coming again, and that affects everything that I do in my life. It affects every decision, every relationship that I have, uh, how I prioritize my time, uh, what I do with the days that God has given me. Uh, if I believe that Jesus Christ could come today, it affects how I treat other people. 
If I believe that Jesus is going to come today, it affects everything about me. And so I believe, friend, that we're just like Captain O'Grady. And I'll come back to that story in just a minute. We are living in hostile territory. How many would say you agree with that? Uh, we have a, a day and a time where the Bible principles where right is called wrong and wrong is called right. Everything seems to be turned upside down on top of its head with regard to the morality and the direction of our world. And I'm reminded of that old song we used to sing years ago back in that little assembly of God church. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Why? Because my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And Frank and I tell you, the angels beckon us from heaven's open door. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. How many remember that old song? Well, there's a few of us old people here today. <laughs> what is happening? My eyes are on the skies. The Bible said that he's coming back in the way that he went away, and uh, I believe it could be very soon. He's coming back for his people, his church, uh, and a lot of people are really into signs. And, and I know that we talk about the signs of the times, and we have a spiritual perception that we're living in the last days, but how many understand that you don't have to have another sign to know that Jesus is getting ready to come? In fact, the Bible tells us there's nothing to be the fulfilled before he comes. His coming has always been imminent. That means at any moment, at any time. The disciples, when he left, uh, they were looking for him to come at that point in time. I heard somebody teaching upon some things like this that said, well, before Jesus could come, they've got to have everything in place for the tabernacle in the, in, over in, in, the, in the tribulation. And before they can have that, they've got to have the ashes of a red heifer. How many has ever heard about that? <laughs> Back in that, some obscure scripture there. And they, tell, they were trying to say that before Jesus could come, you've got to find the ashes of a red heifer heifer. I say, uh, not so. My Bible says it could be today. My Bible says it could be today. Therefore, I'm going to live for Jesus today. Therefore, I'm going to worship him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Therefore, I'm going to tell everybody that I work with about the grace of God. Therefore, I'm going to tell my family and everybody that I know that this Jesus who saved me can save you. And that's exciting a way to live. Amen. Rather, there's so many people that are so cynical in our world today. But can I just boil it down to the very, the, the very most uh, lowest denominator? If there's a heaven, there's a hell. Jesus is coming. Let's get ready. Let's live our lives with that in fact and that, that intact every single day. My eyes are on the skies this morning. And so uh, I want to tell you that Jesus had been risen in this scripture. Let's look at the little historical background of this scripture. What's happening here is that Jesus, after he was resurrected from the dead, was with the disciples for 40 days. And the Bible says that he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. In other words, you remember what Thomas, when Thomas, uh, he missed the first appearance of the Lord, and he said, uh, you know, I don't really believe, he said, I don't believe Jesus is resurrected from the dead. I saw him die. He said, but if I can put my hands in the nail prints in his hand and his side, then, then I'll believe. Well, guess what? They're there, the disciples, they're kind of in hiding. They're having a fish dinner together, and here comes Jesus, who just passes right through the wall, and he's right there, and he said, hey, Thomas, I heard what you said. Come over here. <laughs> And Thomas, he said, put your hand right here and right here. And he did. And Thomas went down on his knees and said, my Lord and my God. And from that day, friend, all through those 40 days, he was showing himself. In other words, people were seeing this is the Jesus that was dead, but now he's alive. Now, that's an incredible story. Let me just get a little sidebar right here. I understand that when Jesus left that room after that encounter with Thomas and the disciples, he just passed right through the wall. One of the glories of the glorified body. Amen. I understand how Jesus went through that wall, but the Bible says he ate fish with them. How did that fish go through the wall? Anyway, just, you know, do a Bible study and figure that out for me. You figure that out, just let me, <laughs> let me know. Amen, I haven't found, but it's one of the glories of that glorified, resurrected body. Jesus has risen from the dead. They're standing with him there. Now, on the Mount of Olives, 40 days later, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus comforted his disciples. And you read the verses that I read to you before. He said, go to Jerusalem and, and be uh, wait for the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit's going to be poured out. And at that time, after he gave them the Great Commission, the Bible says that he began to rise up off the earth and ascend back into heaven. So my first point today, if you're taking notes is this, is that we have the promise of his coming. Number one, Jesus gave them the promise. This same Jesus is coming again. And as I look at that passage, I want you to notice three things this morning. First of all, the promise of his coming. The Bible says he shall come again. He will come again. And one of the most exciting things I can think about is that Jesus is coming for me and he's coming for you. Think about that. He's coming for you. Do you know him? He's coming for you. He's coming for every one of his children. I, I believe the Bible uh, teaches this 
this explicitly. In fact, uh, the second coming, which will be uh, completed at the at the end of the tribulation period, uh, the first part is the rapture, and then seven years tribulation, uh, Jesus will set his foot down literally on the Mount of Olives at that time. But I'm talking about the rapture this morning that will happen first. And the teaching of the rapture is not a minor part of the Bible. It is a major part of the Scripture. The second coming of Jesus Christ, the whole thing, is not incidental. It's fundamental to the Christian faith. Now, do you realize how many times the Bible says that Jesus is coming again? Well, let me tell you real quickly. Let me put it in, in, in uh, contrast. Baptism is mentioned 20 times in the Bible. Repentance is mentioned 70 times in the Bible. The new birth is mentioned nine times in the Bible. But the second coming of Jesus Christ is mentioned 318 times in the New Testament alone. Again and again and again. The Bible says, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. The Lord is coming. Get your house in order. To those that are looking for him, shall he appear the second time uh, without, uh, you know, without sin unto salvation? Let me just tell you real quickly. Let me give you a rundown of the New Testament here. In Matthew, the Bible says the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father. In Mark, Jesus said that he would come in the glory of the angels. In Luke, the Bible says... Lift up your heads because your redemption draweth nigh. In the book of John, Jesus said, Behold, I will come, and I prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. In Acts, the Bible said, This same Jesus will come as you've seen him go into heaven. In Romans, the Bible said he's coming, and when he comes again, he's going to bruise the, all of his enemies under his feet. Amen. In Corinthians, the Bible said he's coming in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. That's quick. I don't know how quick a twinkling of an eye is, but that means it's going to be quick. In Galatians, the Bible said he's going to deliver us from this present evil world. Don't you long for that, for God's grace to come and, and for him to make things right that are wrong? I'm looking for that day. In Ephesians, the Bible says the Lord is coming for his bride that he might present his, to himself a church of not having spot and not having wrinkle nor any blemish or any such thing. I always get tickled. I remember an older pastor. He was telling about, he did many, he pastored 30 some odd years and he would always said, I told the, the groom when they were standing there and they were waiting for their bride to come through, you know, and she's in all of her, uh, you know, the, 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 the wedding gown and all the, just the, the glow and all the things that's happening there. Uh, he jokingly would say to the, to the, the, to the, to the groom, he'd say, look you there, he said, son, he said, that's as good as she's ever going to look right there. <laughs> He didn't say that when the bride was up there. Can I tell you, friend, that Jesus is coming back after a bride that is a beautiful bride? He said that's without spot or wrinkle. Now, some people have already topped up the obituary of the church of Jesus Christ, and they've got it saved on their hard drive, and they're just waiting to send. But can I tell you, friend, that his church is not dead. His church is alive, very much alive, and getting stronger and stronger in the world that we live today. And the, the, the enemy would like for us to believe that. The Bible says he's coming back after church without spot or wrinkle. Now, that tells me two things. Number one, without spot means that it's clean, there's purity. Without wrinkle means it's not old and decrepit. <laughs> Amen. You probably have to really dig into the Greek to find that. But uh, uh, that's, that's what I just believe. There's a little bit of an analogy there. It's still strong. The church, uh, the Bible said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, we don't need to believe the talking heads that tell us uh, that we're post uh, this or post that. Frank, and I tell you, God built his church in a world that was a whole lot more turned around in the first century during all the Neros when they were crucifying Christians, uh, feeding them to lions, uh, and paganism was everywhere out of that upper room came a group of people filled with the Spirit of God who began to proclaim this same Jesus is coming again. Get your heart ready. And a little bit later on in the book of Acts, we find out they were tell telling everybody, who are these people that have turned the world upside down? And let me tell you something. I believe that God's coming back after that kind of church again. I don't have time to get into it, but you know what the Lord is doing around this world. And friend, uh, uh, he is still on his throne of power. In Philippians, the Bible says when he comes, he's going to change those vile bodies and make them into like his glory body. Now I'm 51 years old and the older that I get, the more that promise becomes real to me. <laughs> Amen. Because uh, uh, I hurt in places I didn't know I had muscles at now after I do a little bit of work. And, and what don't hurt don't work. <laughs> Somebody say amen. <laughs> but the Bible says when he comes again, we're going to get a glorified body. All things will be passed away. In Thessalonians, the Bible says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. 
In Philemon, the Bible says he's coming again. In Hebrews, the Bible says, Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time unto sin, without sin unto salvation. In Peter, it says that when the Lord comes, he's going to come as a thief in the night. That means at a moment that people are not expecting it. In James, the Bible says, Be patient, establish your heart. Why? Because the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. In Jude, the Bible said that he's coming back with ten thousands of his saints. And in Revelation, the Bible pictures Jesus coming on a white horse, leading the armies of heaven, coming back to defeat the Antichrist. And of his kingdom, there shall never be an end. Now, I'm not a gambling man at all. I've never gambled on the Kentucky Derby. But uh, somebody asked somebody one time about, uh, about uh, getting a tip on the Kentucky Derby. And I liked their response. They said, I'm not a gambler, but I can tell you this. I'd put everything that I have on the rider of the white horse in the very last race because he's going to win it all. And I'm talking about the of the Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to do the same today. We ought to get hold of people today spiritually and connect with them to the point that they can know the reality of this truth. Their lives will be transformed. Folks, we have this promise that the Lord is coming. That is not a minor teaching of the Bible. That is a major doctrine, and I've proven it to you right from the Scripture today. Amen. You said you believe the Lord's coming back? Absolutely. How sure are you? As sure as dirt is dry and water's wet. I believe it this morning. As sure as there's a sky above our head and an earth beneath our feet as sure as it takes oxygen for our lungs to have life and as sure as water will quench your thirst and food will satisfy your hunger Jesus Christ is coming back again and he's coming soon are you ready are you ready this morning this is the promise of his coming you read it throughout the word of God now that's the that's the promise now number two is the plan of his coming how is Jesus coming the Bible tells us exactly how how's this going to happen the Bible says he's going to come back in like manner did you read that in the book of Acts in like manner he's going to come back again. You see, I want you to imagine what's happening here. You know, use your imagination. You know the greatest nation in the world is your imagination. How many know that? Use your imagination here this morning just a little bit. Imagine how those disciples felt that day that they sought Jesus going back to heaven. He had risen from the dead. They'd walked with him now for 40 days, and they believed. Oh, how they believed it is our Lord and our Savior. He is alive. They understood that he had died for the sins of the world. He was able to change their life. He was able to do miracles. And now, now he's leaving. He's ascending. He's going back to heaven. And I can just see them there in my imagination on the Mount of Olives. And I can see them as they watch Jesus. He's given them their final marching orders. And he said, go into all the world. Win souls. Preach the gospel. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you and empower you. And then suddenly, as they beheld and he was talking, all of a sudden he's right there on the ground. He just starts rising up off the ground. Amen. He is. It's called the ascension. Bodily, literal ascension of his body to heaven. Gravity was suspended. He rises from the ground. Think about it. He goes, he's now up above their head. He went a little bit higher. Now he's up over the olive trees on the Mount of Olives. He went a little higher. Now he's up over the pinnacle of the temple. He went a little bit higher. And finally, the Bible says that a cloud received him out of their sight. I can just imagine they're, they're looking. Now, have you ever, how many has ever let a, a balloon full of helium go up into the air? Have you found it in there? I've found my just trying to see how long I can see it. Finally, it just becomes a little bit of dot up in the sky, if you can even see it at that. And I can kind of imagine the disciples were doing just that. They were looking, and Jesus is ascending, and they were there squinting. They were there trying to see. They're putting their hands over their eyes, shading them from the sun, and all of a sudden, when they see him depart out of their sight, they get startled right behind them. There's two angels standing there, and they said, you men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the heavens? because this same Jesus that you see going away shall come again. Amen. In other words, you got work to do. He's given you the plan, and he's going to give you the power at Pentecost. Go win the world. Go turn your world around for Jesus Christ. There's souls to be saved, lives to be transformed. This same Jesus will come again in like manner. Now, folks, there's no secret how he's going to come. There's no secret to the plan of his coming. He gives it to us in his holy word. It's going to be in like manner. He's coming back again. Since Jesus went away visibly, that means he's going to come back visibly. 
It kind of amuses me when you start reading some after some of the theologians today and different people who want to explain away every miracle in the Bible and say, well, Jesus really didn't mean what he said, and he didn't, he's not going to come back physically. And we have some that even tell us that he wasn't even resurrected from the dead, that he just he wasn't even really dead. He just kind of got knocked out, and, and then uh, after being beat with a cat of nine tails, crucified, and a spear ran through his side, uh, he had such superhuman strength, he just rolled out, away that stone and walked out of the tomb. That's what some foolish people will have us to believe. But the Bible teaches us that he was resurrected from the dead and that he is coming again. Friend, this is one thing that ought to be at the core of our being. Every decision that I make, how I spend my time, in light of the fact that my Lord and Savior is coming. Let's be busy. Even there's work to do. He's coming back visibly. You know, if Jesus is coming back in like manner, that means he went away visibly. He's coming back visibly. And that he went away personally, that means he's coming back personally. Think about it. There are those today who try to tell us that the, it's already taken place. Amen. The, the, the preterists and all the others say the revelation's already transpired. It's just all just history. No, not so, friend. The Bible tells us Jesus is coming back. Amen. It happened uh, it, at that day and time on that Mount of Olives. He made it. He's going to come back personally, just like he left personally. I, I, let me give you a scripture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. That's who I'm looking for, aren't you? Can you imagine what's going to be like? Now, I've been a Christian for not long as some of you, maybe longer than some of the others. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to literally physically put your eyes upon the one who died for you? We were singing these wonderful songs. and just stirred my heart. I love the worship that we had this morning. And just imagining, you know, being in the presence of God with no filter in between us at all. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more fleshly limitations, but full on in the glory of the Father. I'm going to tell you something, friend, that'll light your fire, amen. If it don't, your wood's wet, I'm telling you, amen. We just need God to let us see a little glimpse of what it's going to be like. He's coming back for his church personally, amen. I'm looking for him. Amen. I love the Bible stories, but I'm not looking for Elijah. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm not looking for Moses. I'm not looking for John. I'm not looking for Daniel. Great as they are, I'm looking for Jesus. How about you this morning? I'm looking for Jesus. What Jesus are you talking about, preacher? I'm looking for the Jesus who walked the dusty streets of Jerusalem. I'm looking for the Jesus that was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm looking for Jesus who came out of the tomb. I'm looking for the Jesus who said, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus was raised from the dead. I'm looking for the Jesus who has nail prints in his hand, who died on the cross of Calvary, was resurrected on the third day. He's coming again. I'm looking for him. Are you looking for him this morning? Not only am I looking for him, I'm longing for him. I find myself this way many times, especially with the grief that we have in our world. I'm longing to see him. There's a longing. Now, when Valerie, my wife, and my granddaughter are with me here this morning, uh, but when we were dating, she was uh, from the little town of Waldron, Arkansas, and it was a little bit of a journey. And this was before the days of cell phone, folks. Amen. And so it wasn't just easy to pick up. You had to, it was a collect call, and it cost you. And mom, you know, mom and dad kind of frowned on that running up a phone bill. So uh, I would go down and see her, and uh, there'd be times when we, I'd be away, or and we weren't able to when we were dating and engaged. Where I would just, I would just have a long, and I can't wait to get down there. Amen. I can't wait to see her, and I'd stay there as long as her mom and dad would let me till they ran me off. Amen. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you even more than that. I, I long to see him. I long, oh, it's great to worship him. I love it when there's something about corporate worship. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when all God's children are gathered around the throne of God, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, proclaiming worthy is the lamb that was slain from the very foundation of the world. Amen. Worthy is the lamb of his kingdom. There shall never be a, 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 an end. Amen. I'm longing to see him. I wasn't there and you weren't there the first time with my physical eyes when he walked this earth. I didn't see him when he preached on the Mount of Olives, the Sermon on the Mount. I didn't see him when he fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two small fishes. What a miracle. I didn't see Jesus when he hung on the cross for my sin. I didn't see him when he hung his head and said, It is finished. And, and God, I didn't see him when all that was taking place. And Frank, can I tell you? When the trump of God sounds, you and I are going to see him for ourselves. Mm, hallelujah. We're going to see him for ourselves. He is coming back personally. He is coming back, amen, visibly. Praise the Lord. And then lastly today, he's coming back victoriously.
He's coming back victoriously. Jesus didn't go away in defeat just to, he went away in victory. So wait a minute now, did you read the same Bible that I did? Yeah, let's go back, let's review. Jesus died on the cross. That was not a defeat, that was a victory. Say, Tim, how was that? How is that so? Well, that's what he was born to do. The Bible says that the Lamb of God was slain from the very foundation of the world, which just means that it was the eternal redemptive plan of God that Jesus Christ would be our sin substitute, give himself on Calvary's cross and die for us. And so uh, hell may have thought it was party time, but it wasn't because Jesus was putting the head of the serpent under his feet while he was suspended between heaven and earth, friend. He was crushing the head of that serpent under his heel and resurrected from the dead on the third day. Jesus didn't go away in defeat. He went away in victory. And I, I tell you what, friend, God sent him into this world on a mission, and he completed his mission. Amen. He completed that mission to defeat the power of sin, to defeat the power of the devil, the power of hell. He went to the cross. He rose again. And when the Father was ready to get, bring him home, the Bible says in the story I read to you this morning, he raised, he lifted, he ascended back to God from that mountain. And you can, can you imagine the victory celebration that happened in heaven? Think about it. There's a friend of mine who is a huge Kansas City Royals fan. You may be one here this morning, too. We'll pray for you. I mean, they were from that area, and whenever the Royals won the championship, they loaded up him and his wife and all their four kids, and they were in that sea and that throng of people that were there, uh, that victory parade and celebration. Have you ever seen the like? I mean, if you remember that, when you have world championships, they're, they're there. Sometimes there's ticker tape. There's all kinds of things that are going on. Uh, there's a high energy that is there. Friend, that is nothing compared to what it's going to be like when we see Jesus. It's going to be celebration time. It's going to be rejoicing time in his presence. That victory celebration. Amen. Can you imagine what it was like in heaven, though? Amen. The angels are rejoicing. Can you imagine the atmosphere, the glory? We get a little glimpse of it, and you read the book of Revelation. Uh, but I would like to have joined the angels. Uh, if they lined, uh, amen, those, that, that, those uh, uh, gold-paved streets, uh, amen, they welcomed him home, the conquering hero. Uh, I believe, friend, uh, there probably were crying out hosannas, uh, victorious king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, listen, friend, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back in victory to this world. Uh, I want to tell you something. It's going to be different than his first coming. Think about when Jesus Jesus came. What did he, how, how was he born? He was born and laid in a what? A manger. Very, very poor circumstances. Very, very difficult circumstances. So it's going to be very different when he comes back again. Let me just say this, friend. He came the first time in humility, but the second time he's coming back in honor. The first time he came to a cross, but the second time he's coming to a coronation. He came the first time as the Lamb of God, but he comes the second time as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He came the first time to atone for our sins, but the second time he'll come to judge sinners. When he came the first time, he came to be resident. But when he comes the second time, Brother Ken, he's coming to be president. Hallelujah. And of his kingdom, there shall never be an end. When he came the first time, it was to a cross. But the next time, it's going to be to a throne. The first time that he came, he stood before Pilate. The second Second time, Pilate's going to stand before him. Jesus Christ is coming in victory. That is the message of the Bible. I know there are many other truths, and I could, there's a whole Bible here to preach, uh, but this is one that we need to hold on to that will motivate us, uh, that will encourage us uh, when times get rough, uh, when it seems like the world is turned upside down, uh, when you see ISIS and all their like running wild, uh, and dear Christian people are, are facing all kinds of persecution around the world. Uh, just know that it won't be like this always. The Son of Man is coming. The Son of God is going to come. He's going to set this world right, and He is going to take us with Him. Amen. He's coming as King of glory and Lord of lords. He's coming as the captain of the captains, the hero of the heroes, the master of the masters, the mightiest of the mightiest. I mean, you just go on and on and on. Now, two conditions have been established this morning with regard to Captain Scott O'Grady. Number one, he's alive. He's on the ground in Bosnia. 
And number two, he finally has made contact, and they have established a pickup point to get Captain O'Grady out. In the sixth day, that message comes over the radio. Set your mark. Go to this location, and this is clearing, and, and uh, we're going to let you know when everything's going to happen. So everything's now in scrambled mode. They're throwing everything they have at getting Captain O'Grady out of there. It's only a matter of time. Time is of the essence. Now, 5.45 a.m. that morning, the message comes. It says we're on our way. We should be over your position in about 10 or 15 minutes. And now Captain O'Grady's heart begins to pound just a little bit. Amen. He's been trying to survive in enemy territory, but now his deliverance is coming. Are you with me this morning? And so at 6 o'clock, he gets in that position, and then he hears something that's a real kind of sounds like a dull thud in the air. You've heard it in the distance. You ever heard a helicopter when it's just you barely in earshot? And then it gets a little bit louder as it gets a little bit closer. He sees helicopters that are coming in. Amen. He sees that. And then he sees even above those F-18 Hornets are coming in fast and they're coming in low and they're streaking right toward him. They're going to clear the way for these helicopters to come on in. And so they come in. The fog begins to lift. He tells the story. The clouds are breaking up at 6.35 a.m. The message comes. They're coming in. Stand by. Amen. When he does that, friend, they come down to that clearing that they have uh, designated. Uh, uh, Marines jump out of the helicopter and they fan out and try to secure the area, make sure there's no enemy combatants in that area. And Captain O'Grady says uh, he's his, now he's so excited he starts running toward that helicopter. He starts running toward that helicopter and he says, they've come for me. And then all of a sudden he, he's training kicks in. He stopped and he salutes the Marine and he asks for permission to board the vessel. And of course he says, yeah, come on. We've come to get you. Come on in. And so now he's running. He runs and he said that door's open and he just dove head first into that helicopter and that hatch. And he said he just kind of rolled up into a ball into a heap on that bench and he could only say these words over and over again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. He was rescued. Some glad morning, maybe it'll be about 6 a.m. in the morning, you're having your daily Bible reading. You're reading, uh, you're reading in the morning, look about the blessed hope and the coming of our Lord maybe in the Scripture. At 6.02 a.m., you bow your head and pray, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. <laughs> and the Father that morning, that morning, looks over at the Son and He says, Tell Gabriel it's time. It's time. Get all of heaven's assets ready and go get my children. <laughs> go get my children. They've been in enemy territory for a long time. They've been in enemy territory for a long time. In fact, the father says, throw everything you got at them. <laughs> I don't know if he will, but it, he maybe he will. And then 6.03 a.m., the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Would you stand with me this morning? And the trump of God is going to sound. Yes, come and help me on the music. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Think about that. The Bible says, that when Jesus comes, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, uh, and then we which are alive and remain are going to rise to meet the Lord in the air. So what happens? Uh, the, the call comes. Uh, dead believers burst through their grave, and you know what they're singing? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Uh, and the living believers that are resurrected, uh, they're resurrected in a twinkling of an eye, and they go out singing, Oh, death, where is your sting? <laughs> because he who promised he was coming has come again. Hallelujah. Jesus. At that moment, we'll be in his presence. And I just kind of think, I, I feel like I will whenever I see him. Right after when I was just a kid and raised, and my parents were just, you know, had all of family issues and things that didn't matter. But when I got saved, God brought stability to my life. But I, God gave me a dream not long after I came to the Lord. And in that dream, I dreamed about a, a rapture, which I didn't really know a whole lot about. And when I woke up, I was literally sitting up in my bed with my arms raised, thinking it was Lord and praising God. It's happening. It's happening. So real. It'll be just like that. But I just believe that whenever I see him, I think even more so than, than Captain Scott O'Grady did to the Marines who rescued him out of Bosnia, that I'm just going to fall at his feet and say, thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. It was worth it to live for you. It was worth it. Hallelujah. We shall behold him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I'd like to ask you a question. I mentioned and made this statement earlier. There's only two classes of people in this world, the saved, those that are ready to meet Jesus by virtue of committing your life to him and his blood washing away your sins. And then the other, those that are not saved, who have no promise of that rapture. With every head bowed, you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. If you're not ready to meet God, I ask you this morning to get ready. And the way that you do that is just by humbly saying, Lord Jesus, I surrender, I repent, I turn to you fully in faith. I trust in you. And the second thing before I have us come and pray here just this morning, I want to say this. Everybody here, if you are a born-again believer, God wants to give you a fresh outpouring of His presence and His power to enable us to accomplish His purpose and His goal in this last day. He wants to fill you with His presence. He wants to fill you with His divine enablement called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. No way could we march out into this world and do what God's called us to do without the divine favor and blessing of God. And I just wonder here this morning, how many of you here this morning, this first service at New Song Church would say, Brother Tim Smith, I'm with you. And when I say this, I want my life to impact as many people for Jesus as it can before Jesus comes back. And I want God to use me. I want you to lift your hand up right now. Yes. Hands all over this building this morning. I want to tell you the secret to the favor and the power of God flowing through your life is making yourself an empty vessel and say, Lord, let there be less of me, none of me, and let there be more of you, all of you, Lord, overflow. And the Bible says that he'll fill you with his power. He'll fill you with his presence. He'll fill you with his glory. Now, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like for every, I don't know how you normally do this. I asked Brother Ken about this, and he said, just be led of the Lord. What I'd like to do, and we've got room for those that would like to come, and we can make more room, but I'd just like to have a little gathering of prayer up here this morning. I'd like everybody here that says, you raised your hand, I want my life, I want God to empower me, I want to impact people for Jesus, I want my life to count for God. But I need God's strength, I need God's help like never before. I want everybody that will, that would say, I want the Lord's strength and power to flow through my life. And what days we have on this earth, may the Lord use me. Won't you come right here and stand right across the front of this building, right up here where I'm at. And let's just fill in this area. Amen. And we're going to have a little pre-rapture worship of the King here this morning. Amen. We're going to go ahead and, amen, just begin to do what they're already doing in heaven. And that's saying, worthy is the Lamb. Amen. As we begin to sing this morning, and you begin to come this morning, would you just right now, as you get to this altar area today, if there's one here that's not ready, I pray right now that you would make your heart ready, that you wouldn't live one more second without being totally committed to Jesus Christ. And those of us that are here this morning that would say, I believe he's coming. Lord, I pray that you would make me effective and that you would fill me with your presence and power. Just begin to worship him right now. I believe God's going to do it. Hallelujah. I believe the Lord's going to do that right now.
We've got friends, we've got family that need Jesus. People are hurting. God, empower us to reach them. God, empower us to reach them.
Father, that's our desire, that you would fill our hearts, that your presence would fill this place. Lord, we are thankful for your word this morning. We're thankful that we have a hope. And it's going to be more than just a hope very soon. It's going to be a reality that we shall be caught up. We shall see you, and we're thankful. Hallelujah. If you can go back to your seats just for a moment, we're going to take our tithe and offering this morning. Also, we want to take up a special uh, gift for our guest this morning. So you want to make sure... As you're filling out your, your envelope or your check, uh, if it's designated for ties or if it's designated uh, specifically to our guest speaker. So you can say speaker or um, Brother Tim or something like that. And, and in the office, they'll make sure that uh, uh, we get that all, all correct. But make sure that you designate uh, that uh, this morning. Amen. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we can give back to you. We ask that you stir our hearts this morning. Speak to us now what we would give to bless our brother and our sister here this morning. We are thankful that your word will not return void in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, they're going to be coming by. I did want to uh, just remind you, we talked about the Back to Church Sunday um, volunteer sign up and all that but i wanted to make sure that you knew that today at 5 30 uh, will be the next volunteer meeting that is today at 5 30 and miss janessa is here if you have any questions regarding that please meet with her this this morning and but also be here at 5 30 if you're part of that uh volunteer group and you don't want to to forget that so all right. Well, it's been a good day already, and uh, we're so thankful, Pastor, that you're here with us, and we're thankful that uh, we do have a hope. And if you're not excited about that, I, I tell you, uh, he is coming. He is coming again. We have that assurance that he's coming. And uh, just uh, take, a, take a few moments. Make sure you go up and, and uh, shake their hands this morning. And let them know how much you love and appreciate them uh, being here with us. It's not just... A fill-in service. It's not. It's a service that God has spoken to us directly for what he has for us today in this place. And we are thankful that they're here. So take a few moments. Uh, just let, you, let them know how much you appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you real soon. God bless you.